accountant, a teacher, a mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student, an MVP, a winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint, a sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? Who am I? Who's ever asked that question? Okay, just me. Who's ever asked, like sometimes you, you come up in life and you're like, who am I really? Has anyone answered that question totally yet? Put up your hand if, you, if you're comfortable in who you are right now. Who thinks they've got a little bit of improvement to do? Okay, see everyone with a hand right down there, you're lying. I, I find that there's always something to work on and, and if you're married and you can't find something, just ask your wife. She will help you out. I'm pretty sure she's got a list there right for you. Um, and, and, and Carolina asked me, but of course, I'm a great husband, and of course, there's no improvement that she could ever make. <laughs> Guys, you all say, what do you say? Yes. Amen to that question. That is a loaded question when, you're asked, when your wife asks that question, isn't it? Yeah. So what do you think about this outfit? It's brilliant, babe. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you're just saying that. No, no, I'm not. It is great. You know, there are certain things as a, as a guy, but, but some of us ask that question, who am I? And, and, and when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that becomes a question for us. Because all of a sudden, our, our past is gone and we're stepping into our future. We're stepping into who God has called us to be. We become, we're restored to our rightful relationship of who God called us to be. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about identity, uh, who am I? And uh, as I was looking through, um, there's a lot to cover. I, I don't know if you've ever opened up your Bible and decided to say, okay, what does the Scripture say about me? Who am I? Anyone ever done that? No. One person. I, I want to tell you, there's keys to life right there, just by asking that question. Actually, there's keys to life, first of all, just by opening your Bible. But anyway, that's another topic for another day. But when you open your Bible, is a, when you ask that question, you can go through. And, and I was amazed at the amount of things. I, I'm like, I can't cover this all in 10 minutes. I, I couldn't cover this all in 45 minutes. It, it would take me a week to cover all who Christ says that I am. And so this morning I, I thought, well, we would just go to a great scripture in Ephesians. 
if you've ever read Ephesians, Ephesians is a, is a, great, is a great book. Uh, it was written uh, by Paul. And um, some scholars believe that Ephesians was just a circular letter. In other words, it wasn't written for one particular church, but it was written for a group of believers. And some scholars believe that it was for the Asia, for, uh, the, the, uh, Asia church at the time, where Ephesians was. And so this was just really for a group of believers. Uh, and some scholars believe that Paul is addressing a group of believers that are rich in measure in Jesus Christ, but live as beggars. In other words, he's saying you've received Christ, you know Christ, but why are you still living as though you don't know Christ? Why aren't you living in the full potential that God has for you? Why haven't you identified yourself in Christ and living the full capacity that you should? As I was reading through that, I was like, wow, that sort of sounds like some people in the church today. Some Christians today is that we're rich in Jesus Christ, we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but we're still living in our fallen state. We actually haven't tapped in to the full potential, the full blessing and promises that God has for our life. And so when you read through Ephesians, you can actually take it and apply it to us today, a group of believers today. And so today I want to have a quick look at who, that I, who am I? And in Ephesians 2 verse 5, we're going to start off. And it says, even when you were dead in trespasses, made us alive to de- together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, you might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So today I want to take a few points out of this passage of Scripture. Is that Paul was writing to the Ephesians. And he was saying, hey, listen, the first thing in there, he says, hey, listen, you've been made alive in him. Is that there are a lot of Christians, we we come into this place and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but we're still dead to him. It's like we've said a prayer, but there's more than a prayer. It's actually a journey of surrendering. It's a journey of coming into a relationship is a Colossian 3 puts it this way, I'm a new creation, old things have passed away. Is that what takes place is that Jesus, he came and he died upon a cross so that we could be alive in him. We should be the liveliest people on this planet. We should be full of hope. We should be full of joy. Why? Because we've been brought alive with him. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us today. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us today. He has raised us to live as though Christ. 
You remember your past, but you don't live in your past. There are a lot of people that remember their past and still live in their past. As a Christian, when you're raised with God, you know, our trespass, our sins, they've been forgiven. We're, we're raised with Him to live with Him in His fullness. I love the whole statement. God says, hey, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. He says, come and taste, come and see that God is good. But as you taste and as you truly take hold of who God is, you never stay as you are. And for some of us as Christians, is that God, he, he's lifting us up, he's trying to pull it, and we're like, nah, I just can't let go of where I've come from. We've always done it this way. We've always thought this way. I've always, I just can't let go. And he's like, just let go. I've raised you. I'm saying, come, come and live with me. I've made you alive. Step into the promises that I have. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 makes this statement. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's saying, you are alive in me. When you're alive in me and in Christ, every promise within the Bible is a yes. Is a yes. When you walk in the understanding of who I am in Christ, you walk in the power and authority of who he is. Of who he is. You are healed. You are forgiven. You are made whole. You are more than a conqueror. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But then why do some of us live like beggars? Why, why do some of us live below the potential of God has called us to live at? When in Ephesians, Paul's addressing the church and he's saying, come on, you're alive in him. You're alive in him. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you today. Church, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead right now is alive in us today. The same authority that Jesus walked this earth is alive in us today. But we just have to believe. The issue is, I think, human nature is that it's hard for us to believe. It's hard to us to believe in fellow humanity, let alone believe in the unseen God. You step out of and into. When he raises you up, you step out of darkness and into light. You step out of death and into life. You are alive in him. Walk in the fullness of who he is. Walk in the fullness of who he is. The first part of that verse is you have been lifted with him. The second part that I find in that piece of scripture is that you are seated on heavenly places. 
when you're made alive in him, he lifts you up and sits you in heavenly places. He sits you in heavenly places. God's purpose was to establish a family of sons, not a household of servants. He writes to the Ephesians, he's saying, you know what, you've been brought alive to live at a different level. Oh, what are you saying? You're better than everyone else? No, God's saying that. Oh, sorry, did I cross the line there? But for some of us, it's hard to get our head around that. It's hard to get our head around. Like, we are called to live in heavenly places. We are called to... John 8, verse 35 to 36, has this statement. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if a son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus set us free. Is that we are not servants in the kingdom of God. He hasn't pulled us up into heaven and sat us at heavenly realms just to be a servant. He has pulled us up to be a son, to be a child of the Most High God. And because Jesus died on a cross, because he did lift us up, because he has brought us into life, and because God has set us up in heavenly places, we now partake of that the same as a son. Paul is saying to the Ephesian churches, you've been lifted up. Lift your eyes. See as God sees. Don't scrubble. Don't, don't be in the gutter anymore. Lift yourself up. You've been brought into the sonship of him. This is an honour. I don't know whether you want to just put hashtag you belong there. I I would. Everyone else does. I love what Miles Monroe says about the kingdom. God's kingdom is different from earthly kingdoms. In that it has no subjects. There is no peasants in the kingdom of God, only sons. In the kingdom of God, we are not subjects, but members of the royal family. Paul is telling the Ephesians right now, you're not subjects in this place. You are members of the royal family. When you say yes to Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior, when he lifts you up and into him, right there, right now, you become royalty. He goes on to say, he says, everyone in God's kingdom is a prince and a princess. The person next to you say, you look good. You're a princess. You're such a princess this morning. Such a prince. I don't know how I feel about that. I pick my son up from daycare and he's always wearing a pink tutu. The teachers are like, oh, he does it all the time. I'm like, yeah, thanks. And then I get home and he's wearing Layla's superwoman costume. I'm like... Son, couldn't you just put on Spider-Man? Anyway, he goes on, there are no peasants or middle class, no order of servants in the kingdom. Everyone is related to the king. I love this. We are related to the king. 
what happens is he sets us on, sets us in heavenly places. He puts us where we were supposed to be. He restores us to our rightful place. He restores us to our rightful place. Ephesians, he says, raised up together, made us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you sit in heavenly places, you see the world differently. When you sit in heavenly places, you see the world differently. I, I love taking holidays. My wife does. Who loves holidays? Yeah. And, and there are some holidays that are better than others. And, and we've done a few holidays over the years. And, and uh, we've got a friend that owns a, a Q1 apartment, a penthouse. And, um, you know, sometimes you look at the price tag and you're like, I can't afford that sucker. But this sucker I can because it's a friend. And, and so, so I, I, we go there, and, and every time we go there, it's like you look out, and it's like, oh, you see the world in a different place. Um, we've been taking Maya there for years, and it's like Maya's favorite place. It's like, where do you want to go on holidays? Oh, we want to go to the Q1. Want to go to the Q1. And, and so all of a sudden, without us even realizing, we've sort of set a standard of holidaying. You know, it's like, you know, we get it at a great rate, but if we were to go and get anywhere else, we would be in the, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, Best Western. (laughs) Actually, yes, it was the Best Western we ended up in, in uh, Sovereign Hill. And and, uh, you you see the world differently. And we hadn't even realized this until we decided to go to Sovereign Hill one year. And Sovereign Hill, if you know where it is, it's in Victoria. It's in a little country town. And they don't have a Q1. They've got a Best Western. And I I remember this, and and I remember this clearly because all of a sudden we we said to the kids, you know, we're going to stay here uh, one night. I think we ended up staying two. Maybe. But we stayed one night and we went to Sovereign Hill. We did all the gold mining. But I remember going to the apartment of the Best Western. And I remember the response of my eight-year-old daughter of the time. She walks in. Um, Dad, all the beds are in the same room. And it was like this this look on her face. You've really done it now, Dad. You've stuffed up big time. What's Mum going to say when she walks into this room? It was like, the. I've got to share a bed? But sometimes God is saying, is, is saying, hey, live at this level, but we're still living at the level of best Western. It's not really about price, it's really just about mindset. Is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, he's saying, you know, every promise is you are royalty now. And because you are royalty, you can step into every promise that I have. These promises aren't just for the person down the road or the person sitting on the front row or the sound man at the desk at the back, you know. It's actually for everyone. Start living as royalty. 
start living as royalty. Like at my house right now, my son just goes to the fridge anytime he wants. It's the privilege of being a son. How many of you actually go home and you ask your parents for everything? You walk, you go, you're part. It's just, that's what we do. We're family. When you run out, what do they do? They go and ask God. They go and ask, I'm not saying I'm God, but they go and ask, Dad, there's no more apples. And for some of us, we we go into this thing where we're like begging God for a miracle and God's going, just open the fridge, it's right there. It's like we're begging God for all everything, just for this. And God's just saying, you know what? It's already been paid for. Just walk on in. Just walk on in. The difference lies not in our abilities. It lies in our mentalities. We all have the same ability to receive from God. But it lies in our mentality of how we see God. God wants sons and daughters. He is looking to have a family to share his rulership with. He's looking to have a family to share his rulership with. who will relate to him in love. God is wanting to establish his kingdom, not a religious organization. God is wanting to establish a kingdom of kings, not subjects. God is wanting to establish a family of spirit sons and daughters, not servants. God wants to establish relationship, not religion. Influencing earth from heaven through mankind. Seated with him, you get a heavenly perspective. Seated with him, we get a heavenly perspective. My question to you today is, do you sit with him? Do you allow him to take you to the place to sit in heavenly places where you can look out the windows of heaven and see a situation as he sees it? Or are you busy looking around on the ground, scratching around for your miracle, where he's saying, hey, just take two steps back, look out and see what I have. See what you can... Partake of, raised up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are a yes in Christ. They are a yes in Christ. The second thing uh, in this bit of scripture that Paul is saying, he He makes this statement, he says, you are his workmanship. Is that he made us come alive. He brought us to life. 
He brought us into relationship with him. He sat us in heavenly places and he says, you know, you are my workmanship. You are my masterpiece. You are the one that I have called right now for this moment, this hour. You are the one that I have blessed. You are the one that I I knew before you were even born. Is that through salvation we are restored to our original purpose. We are restored to our uh, original purpose. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. You know, we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. We are saved for good works. Works cannot save us, but without the fruit of good works in our lives, we lack the evidence that identifies us as new creations in Christ. Without works, evident in our life, without it, we lack the evidence that we are new creations. Yeah, but Sam, but you just want us to do more. No, not really. You know, God's nature is revealed through what he does. Do you realize that? God's nature is revealed to us through what he does. He died on a cross that demonstrated a love for us. I I love that song, Oh, How He Loves Us. For some of us, we're standing there and we're like, Oh, can I sing this song? It's like, it goes against all all that I want to say right now. Because it's confessing that God is loving me. Shouldn't he be just telling me? Well, sometimes we need to tell ourselves how much he loves us. Sometimes we need to declare it over ourselves how much he loves us. But God's nature is revealed to us in what he does. We reveal his nature in what we do. Do you realize that? As sons and daughters of the Most High God, we reveal his nature through what we do. People can tell whether you're a Christian, whether you're a follower of God, by what you do, by by what you say, by your speech, by your actions. Acts 17, 28 says this, For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him. I, I remember growing up as a kid and I've got a grandparent, we had a family farm, and my grandma, she's 90-something now, 90-something, I've lost count, she's nearly 100, but she's still got a license, which I don't know why, I would never get in the car with her, but she does. But I remember at five years of age, she would always say, cleanliness is next to godliness, come on, scrub up, wash behind your ears. Cleanliness, who's ever said that to their, or their grandparent has ever said that? You know, all the young ones are like, I've never heard that statement in my life. Don't worry, your parents will start saying it soon. But cleanliness is next to godliness. Outward appearance, actions and deeds should portray the eternal revelation of who Jesus Christ is in our life. I think that statement that she would confess over us that cleanliness is next to godliness is somewhat true. 
when it comes to our Christian walk and living above reproach. But when we look into the meaning of good works, and I don't know if you want to do a word study when you go home, is that when you look into the actual meaning, when Jesus uses the term good works, he wasn't really describing the good works as we see and come to know today. And, and I must admit, good works or, or today as we know it, acts of kindness, they are part of the Christian character. They should be all evident in our life, like love the poor, clothe the naked, visit the needy. You know, they're all essential part of the Christian life. But if you do a word study and you look through how Jesus spoke about good works and what it described, it described this. Is the good works was miracles, signs, and wonders he performed. We are created for good works. And Paul is saying to the Ephesians, he's saying, you know what, you have, you are rich in Christ Jesus. You are blessed beyond what you could ever imagine. You have all the promises right there, but why are you living like beggars? when you can live like kings with authority. Why, why are you there? And, and this is what I love is that God is really commissioning us and when you look at the Great Commission, it's going to all the world and make disciples. He sets his disciples, he says, hey, listen, go and fulfill this. He's called us to do the same. Who knows that's not possible unless you have a spiritual intervention. He actually calls us to do the impossible. And here Paul is saying, he's saying, you know what, you've been raised with Christ, you've been made alive with Christ, you've been seated on heavenly places, take on your true identity and walk in the authority that he has given you to fulfill good works. And as you walk in the authority that he has given you, as you pray for the sick, as you see them healed, as you declare the love of Christ, as you do those things, people will see people will notice who I am in you. In you. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, Jesus makes that statement. All things are possible. Our faith gives us access to the resource of heaven. This is why Christ commissioned us to do the impossible. You're his workmanship, commissioned to do the impossible. Seated in heavenly places, 
and alive in him. And alive in him. Father God, I thank you that we have an amazing church. Lord God, I thank you that that we know what it is to be raised with you. Lord God, to be seated in heavenly places, to be your workmanship. But God, today, give us a revelation of how to walk in the full potential of that. Lord God, how to activate all your promises, how to step into so that we can see heaven come to earth, so that we can see lives change, so that the church can arise and be the influence that you've called it to be. Today, Father God, let us find our identity in you, sons and daughters of the Most High God. A revelation. A revelation. Yeah, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As no one's looking around, I want to ask this question. Well, actually, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you truly live in the full potential that God has called you to live at? Can you honestly say that you live out of a place of being seated in heavenly places? Can you honestly say that you, you walk with the authority of God as a son walks into the house of God? Do you walk with the authority of God? And I, I don't know where you're at, but today, I would love just to pray with you that you would walk in the authority that God has given you that you would truly get a revelation of being seated in heavenly places. And this is not a salvation altar call. This is just a call to just say, you know what? I know that I haven't been living at the full potential that God has for my life. I know that I haven't got a full revelation of who He is in my life. But right now, God, I want to live at that level. I want to be seated in heavenly places. I want to speak. And as I speak, lives are changed and transformed. I want to pray for the sick and see them healed. We all have the ability, but it just comes down to changing our mentality of who He is and surrendering it. And so today, if you're like that and you want me to include you in this prayer, I'd love just to raise your hand just quickly. Yep, down the front, across, like all the guys. Anyone else? Lord God, for those that want to live in the, the fullness of who you are today, Father, I pray that right now that they have the ability. You have raised them up. But Lord God, given the mentality that you have, the mentality of sitting in heavenly places, seeing as you see. But Lord God, more than that, Father, that they are your workmanship. And Lord God, as they 
do go out. They'll go out with the authority that you have. They'll carry the authority. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of each and every one of us. And Spirit of God, I pray that you come and entwine their lives. Lord God, you come and speak to them. You transform their mind, their thinking. Lord God, because every promise is a yes in Christ Jesus. Every promise today. Let every promise be fulfilled today, God. Let every promise. Jesus. We thank you. And today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've come in and you've heard us speak, and, and today, if you want to know Him, if you want to know God, if you want to have a relationship with God, because God is about a relationship. The whole purpose of Jesus dying on a cross is so that we could have a relationship with God. A personal relationship. And what it says, it says that anyone responds or believes upon Jesus will receive the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that connects us with God. It's a seal that we have a relationship with God. But all he says is you just have to believe in Jesus. And today, if you want that relationship, or if you've been away from God and you want a relationship with God, an intimate relationship, not religion, but a relationship, I would love to pray with you as well. And just so as I look across, I would love for you just to raise your hand so I know I'm praying with you. Out the back, thank you. Come on. Anyone else? Father God, today you see every heart in this place. And Lord God, those that are wanting to connect with you, Lord, that the believe upon Jesus Christ, right now I pray that you seal, you seal salvation in their life. Lord God, that they'll come into a right relationship with you. Lord God, an eternal relationship with you. Lord God, that they'll know that they've been raised to life. And as they're raised to life, Father, you will seat them on heavenly places. They will come to know that you, that they are your workmanship. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Church, I want to encourage you. Today, live in the fullness of who God is in your life. If you don't know who God is in your life, take hold of the Bible. Start to flick through it. Start to read who He says you are, who He says He is. And live in that fullness. Believe in it. Take hold of it. You know, apply the principles. Apply the promises to your life. And see what God can do. Can do. Well, it's been a great morning. Don't forget, tonight we've got praise and worship. We've got the Word. And then we've got the prophetic community. If you want to be trained, if you want to come and know a bit more about the prophetic community, uh, be here tonight. So the service starts at five and straight after we'll be doing the prophetic community. But how about we go out praising God. Let's stand up and we'll see you all next Sunday.